Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Friday, March the 4th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew chapter 20. We hear today of the well-known parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And every time I read this, every time I hear this, in the back of my mind, in the ba- and really ringing in my ears, it's almost like you hear a little child telling their parents, but that's not fair. And this little quip from a parent would be, in essence, well, life isn't fair, is it? Is that how Jesus is going to address us in this parable? Is that what Jesus is trying to tell us? Get over it. Um, you get what you get, so don't make a fit. I'm not sure if that's what Jesus is saying. So open up your Bibles. We put on our Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. To find out of their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome with us for the first time Pastor Josh Heimbuck of Grace Lutheran Church in Ashland, Oregon. Pastor Heimbuck, happy Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Blessed Lent to you, Brady. Good to be here. Yeah, Pastor, it's uh, our first time together here on Thy Strong Word. So can you tell tell, uh, our listeners about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Grace Lutheran? Uh, Yes, I'd be happy to. So, yeah, Reverend Joshua Heimbuck, and I was born and raised in Ogden, Utah, graduated from the University of Utah with a Bachelor of Arts in History, and then went on to go to seminary in St. Louis, uh, Missouri in 2004, and then I received my Master's of Divinity, and after that received my first call to Minnesota, Hey-o. which is actually where, <laughs> where Brady's at, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so that was my first call uh, to two parishes. Uh, I was at St. John's in Villard, Minnesota, and also Trinity in Grove Lake for almost four years uh, before receiving another call from the Lord to serve as pastor at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Logan, Utah. So made my trek back to Utah again. And I uh, was there for almost eight years um, before receiving a call here this last um, I started here at Grace Lutheran in, in Ashland in December of this last year, 2021. Wow. Um, I was at Holy Trinity for almost eight years. And so I'm here now at Grace and uh, married to my uh, beautiful and uh, amazing wife and most intelligent woman I know. <laughs> and uh, my best friend and um, certainly my biggest fan and confidant. And so we've been, we've married now uh, 20 years in June, so June 8th this this year, so very exciting. And we've been blessed with a son, his name is John. Uh, John is 14 in eighth grade, um, attending the local Christian school here. And uh, my wife's a nurse practitioner, um, and she is going to be serving at one of the local hospitals here, and her specialty is occupational health. And then my son, um, he, like I said, is 14, and he's into Kung Fu and Stop Motion and YouTube and, and Lego Masterpieces. And so now we, we are here at uh, Grace Lutheran in Ashland and uh, with the Saints here, and uh, wonderful to be here. And so the Lord just uh, 
blesses us in so many ways. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Pastor Heinbach was in my father's circuit, um, which was the Alexandria circuit. And uh, I, I showed up here in Minnesota 11 and a half years ago, and you were already here. And then, um, and it was interesting trying to get a hold of you to be on this program was we were like, I think he's in Utah, but it says he's not. But where is he? So it took us a little while to get your address and find out exactly where you were. So now we know that you're in Oregon, um, our second guest from the state of Oregon, and uh, very blessed to have you with us this morning. So, Pastor, as we are here to be in the Word of God, can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings on our study in prayer? Yes, I'd be happy to. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for another day you've given to us. Thank you for all the blessings that you give to us, certainly, and with our congregations, our families, and also as we, um, the blessing of your son, Jesus. And we just ask your blessing upon our time here in our conversation, that your spirit would be here amongst us as we discuss your precious word and, and what it would have to say to each and every one of us. And uh, just bless us. Um, be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email. KFUO at KFUO.org. KFUO at KFUO.org. Pastor, I want to start this way before we actually read the verses that we'll be studying today. Is It begins by speaking of the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. So, Pastor, uh, what is, and so it goes back to confirmation, Sunday school, uh, when you start a, a new study on parables. If someone were to ask you, Pastor, what is a parable? What would you say? Something that was told me some years back is that, and I, and I think it's a good definition, a uh, parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so it's essentially a story, I think, that most people would relate to. And I think in Jesus' time, um, with people being very tied to the land and so forth, they would understand this, this whole idea of the vineyard and workers. And so it's this uh, commonplace story. And But yet, in this case, Jesus is comparing it to the kingdom of heaven. So there's that, that spiritual aspect of it. But that definition has kind of stuck with me, I think, for a long time. And I think it's pretty accurate. And so, Pastor, what we'll do to begin today, as we know, there, there is a, a heavenly meaning, a major theme that Dr. Gibbs um, shows us is that kingdom meaning uh, of, of the whole book of Matthew. So what, what is the kingdom like is, is, is how I think that encompasses exactly how that simplistic way of looking at parables. How does God operate? Which is, which is fascinating because it's not the way that we operate. So as we hear these words, we remember exactly what Pastor said about a parable. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 19. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? 
They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them, each of them received a denarius. And when those who hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to I choose I chose oh, excuse me choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and it'll be raised on the third day. This is our text today. So, Pastor, as we hear these words, how do you want to start us off? Let's see. So we'll take a look, yeah, kind of those first couple of verses um, where it says, yeah, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard, and after agreeing with laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And so, yeah, the, Jesus is making this comparison with that the kingdom of heaven is like this. And so we have this master, and he's um, going out to hire his laborers. And interesting, I think, to note here, he tells them exactly what they're going to get. They're going to get a denarius, or essentially my understanding of that is that they wage, uh, and then sends them into the vineyard. So this is early in the morning. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting because it begins with, for the kingdom of heaven is like, so right away you realize that God is talking about himself. So am I correct? Yeah. Or what are your thoughts that the master, we could probably interpret this whole thing as being God himself. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I would agree. I think this is definitely God himself and as the owner of this, this vineyard, um, that's the kingdom of heaven. And so, and he's, yeah, essentially over this and he's hiring his laborers to essentially go out and, and work, you know, in his vineyard and, um, and well, and, and paying them, I think a, you know, a, a day's wage, or at least what would be, I think, expected. And, yeah, I think I think that's correct. That this is this is God Himself inspiring and, the people. And right now, there there's nothing to look at this and go, well, that's strange. As far as I can tell, at least he's seems to be paying a fair wage. We don't know if there's a union yeah. involved. We don't know if he's you know in comparison to the East or West Coast or something. All we know is that he is right. agreeing, and it says that they agreed to this payment. So they they made exactly. an agreement. They went out to go work. That's as simple as it really comes. Um, and it must be, yeah. I, I, I don't know what, maybe in Oregon or in, in uh, Utah it's a, or in Minnesota, like we don't see day laborers very often. I know I've 
visited other states. Is this something you've seen before where a day laborer would be lined up somewhere on the community? Have you ever seen that? Um, not so much. I mean, I remember, um, well, I think here in this area, I noticed, I mean, there are, um, well, there's a lot of pear trees and so forth and orchards. So, and I don't know, I mean, if that maybe a place where sort of labor, you know, day laborers, but it's probably maybe more than just the day imagine for the harvest. So, um, but yeah, and even in Utah too, I don't recall, you know, there being sort of people kind of waiting just to do, you know, a particular job for the day, especially with agriculture. It's like, it's usually, it's a seasonal thing. And in, in Utah, and I think it's here and mm-hmm. big, well, maybe in Minnesota too. I mean, um, certainly a lot of farming there, but, um, yeah, I don't really see that. The only thing I can think of is when I was younger, there was an employment agency, um, next to where my dad had his business. And so there were people or guys that would come looking for some kind of work. And, and a lot of times it would be something that would be just for the day. And they were usually, um, homeless guys and just looking for some kind of work. And my dad sometimes would hire them to do something for him. And that's the only thing I can kind of think of off the top of my head. Right. And it, it, it that makes it a very interesting 21st century ana- analysis um, for something yep. that uh, happened many years ago. But, but overall, right, we get the right. understanding. I'll pay you this. Yeah. You come and work. Very simple job reality. So, Pastor, anything else in verses one and two? think that I can see then yeah then the master is as God and it's the vineyard and place where yeah and well and I think it's it's important to note that they agreed upon that this this is the way to the denarius and this I think again kind of plays in here a little bit later as we get into it but so let's continue on I'll read verses three through seven and going out about the third hour he saw others standing idle in the marketplace And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give to you. And so they went. Going out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? I'm going to, let's see here, one more verse, excuse me. They said to him, because no one has hired us, he said to them, you go into the vineyard as well. Hey. So, Pastor, right away, the question is, what are these times? I mean, the third hour to me means 3 a.m. or maybe 3 in the afternoon, but that's not the same. Did you find anything on that? No. Yeah. So, and I kind of, I looked into that. And we have kind of a, a note here. Uh, I think about that. Let's see. I think, uh, yeah, the third, sixth. Ninth, you know, and eleventh is kind of definitely later in the day, towards the end of the day, and then there's like a couple hours before that, and it sounds like it's you know fairly early. The first ones are hired, or and then I think it's around I think it's kind of made it to around nine o'clock or something. But it's the third hour, yeah, prop, and yeah, of course they probably didn't keep they didn't keep time like we do, but everything I saw was nine o'clock. Was that? Um, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it's pretty standard. Every three hours goes out at noon. It goes out at nine. Goes out at at noon. Goes out again around three p.m. And yeah. says, "Hey, come and work for me." Anything else? That you, yeah. What, what else did you find? 
Um, so yeah, so he's going out, like I said, yeah, at nine. And then there's these guys and they're just kind of sort of standing idly by in the marketplace and, and, uh, sort of kind of makes you wonder why you're sort of just standing there, but anyway, but they are, um, that's what we're told. And, and so they're, they're there. And, and then he says, you know, go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so there's no agreement as far as like what that is. I mean, he basically just tells them, well, whatever is right. And so there's not, it never says like, I'm going to pay you a denarius, like he does the first guys. And so there's no really agreement here on what the pay is, but it's like, well, but whatever is right, I will give you. And, and so they went and, and going out again, same thing, six hours, ninth hour. Um, he does the same. And then the 11th and again, found people sort of standing around outside and says the same thing. You know, why are you standing here idly? Um, again, but then they're like, well, but no one is powerless. And he said, we'll go into the vineyard too. And, um, but I think it's, it's interesting and I think important to know that there's no agreement as far as the amount. And I think that's significant. That is, that is significant because I think I've always thought, well, it's assumed that they're all like, okay, he's going to pay us a Daenerys, but we can't say that, can we? We can't even say it's assumed that there officially yes. is no agreement um, right. as they come upon right. this, which I'm thinking now. Exactly. I'm thinking out loud a little bit here is they are truly trusting in the generosity of the master when they go out. Yeah. yeah. Any, any thoughts on any yeah. thoughts on that? I, I, I never thought of that. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it right there that, that, yeah, I think they are, there's a lot of trust involved there that, and, you know, all it says really, yeah, whatever is right. I will give you. So there's this trust that they trust that the master's going to pay them um, what they deserve and, and what is fair. And that there's still, there's a lot of trust there. I think that, and that this is going to happen because there's no really, you know, no formal agreement here. Um, so that, that, that says something certainly maybe I think about them. Um, but yeah, I think they are trusting in the generosity of the master. Yeah. This makes me think about our, our daily walk with the Lord because part of, well, the Christian life is a life of trust. So as you, yeah. you know, as a pastor, you know, how do you encourage people to trust in the Lord? Because how you say it, there's not, there's not necessarily an agreement of how my daily life is going to go, but he calls us to trust in him. Any thoughts on, on your experience as a pastor and how you encourage people to trust in him? Yeah, that, that's something I, I mean, it, just, it comes up in many, many cases where people are going through a difficult time. And I'm, and I'm sure you're familiar with this too. You know, they, they either someone in there that close to them has died or someone is, is sick or, or they're having some kind of financial issue. And, and so we want to encourage them to trust that the Lord knows what he's doing and, he, and he's going to take care of it. And, and, um, and I think sometimes I may point out how, you know, maybe that, that has happened maybe in, you know, my own life. It's that, I mean, certainly not degrading what's happening, what's, what's happening to them at that moment and certainly acknowledging that we want to do that and not, 
sort of, well, you know, everything, I mean, everything usually does turn out um, for the good and God takes care of it. And so it's, it's just, it's a matter of kind of coming alongside them, encouraging them, um, helping them during that difficult time. And because I think a lot of times it's not, and I tell people this too, that it's not until we sort of look back that we sort of see God's hand at work. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. the thing goes. And, and it's when we look back, we can kind of see God's hand at work. And, and maybe it's pointing out something else that happened to them in the past and where, you know, God was with them. And, um, and, and just, I think being present there, you know, with them through that struggle and, um, it's so important. And for me, for us as pastry, but also, I mean, as, as the laity and those people, other congregation members, it's so important that they're there supporting that person, especially when they're going to that difficult time. And, and cause it's hard to trust if, <laughs> If no one's, you know, there or encouraging or helping, you know, with that. And so I think, you know, it's like, well, the Lord took care of this. Or and I think one of my favorite stories in scripture is definitely like about Joseph. And, and I remember that phrase, I think, in chapter 50, where, you know, he says to his brothers, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You know, how God sort of turned this situation around into something that was good. And, um, and, you know, we, we need, we have to trust that, but that's hard, um, to do, especially when you're in the midst of the, of the fire, you're going through the furnace and, um, and so I think we, we need to be sort of Christ's hands and feet and, and mouth and all that to help that person during that time. Um, you know, that's, I think what we're called to do, it's just, it is hard to trust and to, to all, all things are going to work out for good, um, when somebody's going through, through something difficult. I mean, I'm sure you can relate to that. And that's, and that's, you know, and we, we talked prior to this study about that need for community that you hit on is so vital mm -hmm. in for us pastors oh, yeah. as well, because it is the people in our churches or other Christian people that we know that will proclaim something that opens our eyes. You're like, you're right. That's exactly right. And that kind of sticks in your heart and mind very strongly. And I had one one friend whose wife had cancer and his constant comment, and it, we, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of words said, but he said over and over, I'm just, I'm just we're trusting in Jesus. We're trusting in Jesus. And that really yeah, has, yeah. has struck with me, um, stuck with me, um, for, for, well, for a long time, just because it is, that's as simple as it is that we're trusting in Jesus, that he's going to work for the good of his people as, as scripture promises us. And so right now, these people standing there are trusting that this guy is going to do what he's going to do. And I was, uh, you know, <laughs> it's so, yeah, they, they, you know. Yeah, they take him at his word. Right. And it, yeah, it, that takes a lot of trust. And, um, my dad has saying, you know, your word is your bond, you know, and that's oh. sort of stuck with me, but, and yeah, and that's, that is key that they trust this guy's word that he's going to do what he's, what he says he's going to do. And, I think, well, we need to do that as well. I mean, sort of in our relationships, and especially with people, um, our members, but also people outside, you know, the church. And because that, um, I think, speaks volumes too. You know, if they can't, they can't trust us, how are they going to trust God? Um, so, and yeah, that's, so and you're right. And he comes together with them in verse seven. 
where they mm -hmm. they knew that this guy had to be generous because I'm assuming them standing there idly, like you said, we don't know why they're standing there idly, but <laughs> no. nobody, I can guarantee this even today, that if it gets towards the end of the day, there's not there's not people going out hiring people for the for that last hour or two. So they knew that this guy, this master, was different than the rest of the masters because he's already yeah. acting differently than others. So any other thoughts you have on those first seven verses? There, there's actually quite a bit there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right about that whole, you know, and maybe I didn't think about it that way, but they, yeah, the fact that, yeah, this guy must be really generous or maybe there is some, he has some kind of reputation, you know, for that. And so people, you know, know that, oh, I'm going to be taken care of and this guy's going to keep his word. And, um, even though he's, you know, hiring me here at the end of the day. And, uh, I mean, this parable just, I mean, it really does speak to the generosity and, and, and grace, I mean, of this, this master and, and well, which speaks to who God is. So, yeah. So let's continue to move forward in verses eight okay. and nine. Actually, you know what? We're going to take our break. I just lost track of time, so we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew chapter 20 with Pastor Josh Heimbuck, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus, from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 20 with Pastor Joshua Heimbuck of Grace Lutheran Church in Ashland, Oregon. So, Pastor, I always like to do this when I hear somebody move to a new town, uh, to a new state, yep. especially here in Minnesota. And I don't know if anyone ever gave you this, but there's a book called How to Talk Minnesotan. And so this is a book, even good for those who were born and bred here in Minnesota, like myself when I moved back. Right. But it, it, it would have been perfect for the Utah guy when he moved here. But the question yeah. I have, a question I have for you is: You've moved to Oregon, and there's always small words that are different. In Alaska, yeah. it's not a snowmobile; it's a snow machine. In Wisconsin, it's not a water fountain; it's a bubbler. In Oregon, have you noticed yeah. anything different in how people talk? I can't say I have, Brady. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love it. I, That's I, good. And maybe it's just not being here that long, but I mean, you know, I haven't noticed anything particular that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely kind of going back to Minnesota, that there were certain things and things so forth. And, you know, like a casserole is a hot dish. I remember that. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so, it's fun. You know, and, and Utah kind of had their funny sort of little things and quirks as well, and how they, you know, talk about the sort of mountains. It's like mountains, like you don't pronounce the T. It's kind of, yeah. Interesting. And I'm trying to, I mean, yeah, and I don't, I don't notice anything, honestly. And oh. I'm sure, I mean, there'll be something, but 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Pastor. We'll ask you next time we have you on what you have noticed at that point. But Pastor, okay. right now we are, as I said, I kind of lost track of time. So let's read verses 8 and 9 as we continue in this parable. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Okay, so uh, any thoughts, any first thoughts as you hear those words? I wanted to stop there because right now we're going to stick with those who were hired late in the day. Any thoughts so far? Yeah, so the thing that sticks out here is that so they, they call the workers together, which isn't, I think, surprising there. But at the end of the day, the call the laborers, pay them their wages. But it, it says that beginning with the last to the first. So that strikes me. It seems to me that, well, the guys that were hired first would get paid first. Um, but but it, it seems like that's the opposite. So it starts with the last, and then he, and then up to the first, and then again, when those were hired at the eleventh hour came, each one of them received a denarius. Uh, and so this is, I think, one of those shocking um, sort of scantlet moments um, in scripture, and and I think it's characteristic too of parables. Where parables, uh, you tend to see these ridiculous, well, either ridiculous amounts of money uh, or situations where it turns everything upside down and and i think that's what's happening here and it, and it, and it goes along too i think with what was said in the previous chapter of 19 and verse 30 it says that many of you are first and we last and the last first and that comes again at the end of this but mm. um yeah and I, and it and it goes right along with that so i, I just that's something that just really sticks out for me yeah, and I don't, you know, the thing is, my reading <clears throat> about this is, was that the standard practice at the time? I don't think we really know, but it definitely applies to the end of this parable. You know, the first, the last will be first and the first will be last. Uh, mm-hmm. So nothing that really is striking, but the striking part, and this is where I would love to see the faces of those guys who, guys and whoever it might be, that 11th hour, they sat there and yeah. they handed them the, whatever equivalent today, we get the hundred dollar bill when they were expecting maybe 10. And at that point, yeah. you know, it's like, Whoa, what's going on? And instead of, well, I'm guessing them saying, Oh no, no, this is too much. They probably walked away with joy. It's my guess at this point. Oh. So that's really, yeah. I mean, I, I want to see their face. Cause whenever someone gets more money than they want, typically, or that they were expecting, typically it only leads to joy. I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would love to see their, the, the expression on their face. I mean, you can't help but, yeah, I'm sure they were just grinning year from to year and receiving, I mean, a whole day's worth of wages. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure they must have walked away with this, with joy. Um, and, and again, I think goes back to this whole thing with the uh, generosity of the master and how he just how generous he is with his workers. And even despite, you know, they've only worked, you know, the last part of the day, and yet he gives them the same amount. Um, it just, 
even today, I mean, and I don't know, like you said, if what the practice was at that time either, how they paid the workers. Um, but, um, but even, even today, I mean, that would just be, be shocking. I mean, that, like, wait a minute, um, that don't, you know, I mean, especially the guys who are hired first, like, wait a minute, don't I, don't I get, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I just chuckle at this. And, and it just kind of makes me smile. And yeah, I would love to just sort of see what the expression on their faces were. Yeah, you know, this must have been yeah, joy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this is where, if you end the parable here, it's kind of like, that's great, you know, because all we see is what others received. But we haven't put ourselves into this quite yet. Let's say that I'm the guy who started maybe approximately. 6 a.m. And that's yeah. where rubber hits the road. Just like when you have children, yeah. just like how when we were children, let's be honest, that you're constantly yeah. receiving and then looking side to side to see what other people received. So let's let's hear the okay. let's hear the next part of this. And hopefully okay. hopefully we're growing up better than when we were kids. Well we'll see. <laughs> now, when, yeah. when those who hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled, the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour. And when you have made them equal to us, you, you who ah, equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Well, uh, Pastor, there was an agreement between these folks. At the beginning of the yep. day, I would get paid this much. So what's the problem for these yep. folks? What's the problem? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, well, this is this is what you agreed to, uh, and and this is what you got paid, and, and so that was the expectation. So it's, yeah, you sort of kind of like, well, what are you grumbling about? Well, yeah, but you can understand too, and like you said, it's like the child, you know, looking in the box and then looking side to side. It's like, oh, what did everybody else get? And and. Uh, that's just our, our human nature, our tendencies to to compare ourselves with others and what other people are getting. And and we look at the other guy next to us and we think, well, wait a minute, he he got more, but he worked less. Mm. That that's just that's just not fair. And and we've talked before. I mean, we had this radio program and you have teenagers and I have a teenager and you, know, you probably hear that, that phrase. Well, that's not fair. I, 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 you know, and, and I'm sure you can relate to that. And because you tell your child to, to do this and you know, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't have to do that. And so why do I have to do that? And that's not fair, you know, or you take something away because they, uh, disobeyed you with something. And then, well, that's, that's not fair. And like, and a lot of times maybe our response is, well, life's not fair. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was, it's not very satisfying for them. And, you know, so you can relate to that, you know, with teenagers, but also, I mean, just with adults, it's, you know, when someone else, uh, works hard and puts all their time and their effort into what they're doing, all their, their blood, sweat, and tears, and then some other person, you know, comes along and, and gets the same thing or, or even gets even more recognized. It, it's really infuriating. And so I think as human beings, I think we can all 
relate to this in, in one way or another. Um, you know, whether you're, you're old or young or, or in between, um, there's just something, yeah, it just doesn't seem fair. And, but yet for the guys that were hired at the end of the day, Hey, this is great. And you know, this is wonderful. And, uh, wow, look, I mean, how generous the master is. I mean, it's great for them, but the other guys, like, there's that expectation. I should get more because I work harder. And I was, you know, I worked through the, the heat of the day. You, you mentioned that the scorching heat you know, bore the burden. Yeah. So, yeah. And our human understanding, it's like, you work more, you should get paid more. Right. That's only yeah. fair, as we would say in our lives. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Another part of this that's really, well, I really like that insight about the scorching heat that they just didn't say we work more hours, but like we worked the hardest of hours, you know, we've done this and they're giving their list of why I deserve, you know, more generosity from you, you know, that I deserve more than what you said you would give to me, which, you know, brings up the response of the master later on. But I find it interesting. Um, there's no, but there, it is interesting that when they, the problem is not what they got paid. The problem was that they saw what the other people got paid. Yeah. So if, if they just, you know, went and got their paycheck, this is why often in the good old days of, of you got a paycheck and you had to deposit it is that it came in the envelope because it's a number one rule. I remember I worked at a sawmill after my senior year of high school. And the number one rule is uh -huh. you don't show another guy how much you got paid. Because then all no. of a sudden, you know, there comes a big issue. That's why they put it into an envelope and you take it home and then you open it and put it into the bank. You don't ever want to see it. And what happens? I mean, why is that such a big deal to us? I mean, ultimately we know that, hey, I, I get paid and that's how I get paid. Why does it cause such an issue when we start seeing other people get paid? Why is that an issue for us? Yeah, I think, I think it is because, well, we're always, I think, comparing ourselves, you know, with others. And that's just, I think, our culture and our society that, um, you know, we see celebrities, you know, getting oodles of money for various things. And, and you know, people strive or they, they want to be like that. And I want to be, you know, and, and it's just this materialistic um, nature, I mean, that we have that, even though, yeah, I got paid a day's wages, yet um, we want more. Or we certainly, we think that we're entitled to more. And I think that's what's happening here. And, and I think, right, Brady, I, it probably would have been better if they didn't know <laughs> what the others were getting. <laughs> but it probably would have been fine. And, and like you said, with your job, it was in an envelope. And so nobody knew exactly. And that's a good rule because, I mean, you can see where things could really spiral out of control, you know, pretty quickly. And, you know, people were comparing and looking at others and like, wait a minute, um, you know, what, what's the deal here? And, and so, yeah, it's interesting. Like they're all very starts with the, like so the last up to the first, um, which I just wonder if was that intentional or right. You know, I, that's why I sort of wonder. Yeah. And they kind of make some good complaints there. You know, we, we worked in the scorching heat. We worked the burden of the day. Um, I, I deserve more. I, and, 
and we, you know, and I think we could certainly relate to that. Um, and that, you know, and that sense of, of what's, you know, fair and, you know, and that's just, it just goes along with, you know, our understanding of that and our human nature and our just <laughs> the way we deal with things. So there's just, there's so many sort of human aspects to this, I think, that we can relate to. And I think with, well, with a lot of the parables too, it's this earthly story that, um, and even now, I mean, we're talking about different cultures, but there's still things there that I think that still, still speak to us in our own day, for sure. As we look at this, it, it clearly is a reference to our relationship with the master who is our Lord, that that, yeah. that salvation has been won for us, whether we've been laboring all day in the scorching heat or for those who come basically at the last minute. And, and yeah. for that, we give thanks to the Lord. But how can we as Christians, <laughs> how does this sometimes <laughs> play out? that we get a little bit like little children. That's not fair. How does that play out? Have you seen that play out in, as a pastor or in, in the Christian, in Christian life? Yeah, I think, I think definitely. Um, when you have a situation where, uh, an individual maybe that was not really, I mean, didn't have sort of a very active faith life, you know, for many, many years. And uh, were not active, didn't really participate, and so forth, and and things, and and uh, and then you know later in their life they they become you know Christian, and and maybe they did some things too that were not good. I mean, to family members and so forth over the years, and so um, so the family members, and then they come to faith, and they they're and and it's a transformation, a different person, and. And, and the other people can sort of understand, well, wait, what happened, you know, to this person? And, and I, you know, I just, I don't know if I can trust them because of how they were before. And so it's like trying to kind of reassure them like, Hey, well, you know, they've, they've changed and, um, you know, the Lord has changed them and they have a different outlook on things. And, um, but there's sort of the sense that, well, um, all those things they did though, shouldn't, you know, should they receive some kind of punishment or should there be some, uh, something that they, you know, don't they deserve, um, to be punished for their, for their sins, for the things that they did. And I mean, granted, they need to acknowledge those things that they did and ask for forgiveness. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter at what point somebody comes to faith, uh, the reward is the same. And again, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to us, um, just in our context and, um, in our way or human way of thinking. And I'm just reminded too, I mean, you know, God's ways are not our ways and his <laughs> thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, but it sort of, it kind of goes against, so, I mean, how people look at things and it's just, yeah, and I think, and I've seen that just with people in ministry, and and um, and they just don't quite understand, or, or they can't be, they can't be happy, I guess, for that person, you know, that they they've come out of that whatever sinful life, and now they're a changed person. They just say all they can see is that that poor miserable sinner, 
walking around with this stuff to them, you know, years ago or, yeah. I don't know if you've had that experience, Brady, but, um, and I think that it's, I think this parable, I think kind of speaks to that as well. Um, and that it doesn't matter, you know, uh, at the end, if, you know, you trust the Lord and, you know, you, you believe in him for, for your salvation and you confess your sins and, you know, he's faithful and just, he forgives you all your sins, all of them, no matter what it is. Um, and, uh, that's the beauty of grace. And, but, but it does, it goes against, um, our human, human understanding of, of things in the world. So. And as we look at that, that is very, very helpful because how quickly we can lose sight. It, it brings us back to Hebrews, you know, when it talks about, you know, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The problem is not, you know, the master's generosity. The problem is, is where we're looking because I know one of our previous guests just talked about, I think it's a Teddy Roosevelt quote where comparison is a thief of joy. And, and, yeah. and that's where comparison can rob us of comfort uh, of, of in the gospel because we're focused on all of a sudden you start thinking about yourself and, and you start thinking about your own works and all of this. When Jesus says right after our, ta- our parable, he goes right back to the heart of it. The, the issue is not, you know, how long you work. The issue is what is the work that Christ has done, which he will die and rise on the third day. So, I mean, he's even, yeah. I bet he's feeling at this point that his disciples are starting to get like, Hmm, you know, am I the one that uh, worked all day? I did work all day. I, I am. I'm kind of something special here. So then he brings them back to himself once again. Yeah. And so he, he, exactly. Jesus knows the response of us humans, <laughs> sinful humans. <laughs> and we see that play out in verses 13 through 16. So we'll read, uh, read those now. Okay. But he, the, the master replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you agree? Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Hmm. So what is the master's response to his uh, beloved workers? Yeah. Like, friend, this is what we agreed on. And, uh, and so this is what I'm giving you and take what belongs to you and, and go. And it's my choice what I give um, to whoever, whoever I give. And if I choose to give the same amount to this guy that works at the end of the day as I do to you, that, that's my choice. It, it, it's his to do with what he wants. And I think that's, I think that's a significant thing, too. Um, so the tendency is for us to, to question God's ways or his purposes or what, what he's doing, or even whether situations in scripture where we feel like we have to defend God. And it's like, God doesn't need our defense. Um, you know, he, he's God and we're not, and. But, you know, we, 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 there's those tendencies where we want to do that. And I think, uh, this is speaking to that, but, you know, God does what he does and we may not fully understand why and we may not think it's fair, but, but 
<laughs> we're again, we're talking about a whole different kind of fairness uh, when we're talking about God, and, and thankfully so, that it's not based upon our understanding of fairness and <laughs> right and wrong, and and it's on His because His is is yeah one of grace and mercy and love and and uh, you know that that phrase he's slow to anger right abounding in steadfast love and thankfully so and and that just that that sticks with me too and 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 that's the thing here and if he decides that uh, this person you know that works the last hour gets the same that that's his decision. And, you know, we need to just trust that that, you know, that's what he wants to do. And, and, but yeah, like I said, our, our tendency is to, you know, think in terms of, of human, human standards and human fairness and, um, he's above all that. And it, it comes down to this. What is a better solution that you have? Like, what is a better right. way? Do you have a better way? Maybe there's a better way. Um, but when we actually sit and think about it is if it's not for the pure generosity of the master to the people, then, um, what are you going to base it on the, the quality right. of your work? Well, is that, you know, are you going to know that it's good quality? Is it the, the time right. that you got there? Well, then those people who were standing there 11th hour have no chance whatsoever. And do you want that? Because we assume that I'm going to be there at 6am. Well, guess what? There might be times I'm not. So what does that mean for us? How do we live with that? And, and if it's not purely by grace and, you know, first she'll be last and the last she'll be first. Um, if it's not that mentality, then we're always going to wonder, am I first in line or am I not? And here he gives that full grace of saying, you're chosen yeah. on account of the work that I have done. I mean, it's a, <laughs> we yeah. don't think it's yeah, fair, exactly. but it is the most fair thing <laughs> that we could ever even imagine. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head. Right? I mean, because that's, that's it right there. And, and thankfully, so yeah, our salvation is based upon his grace and mercy. And, and it's not dependent on what we do. And as human beings, we, we think, oh, there's something, there's something I got to do. You know, I, isn't there some kind of a checklist or something I could do to, to earn this or to, um, and, and that's our tendency. And, I, and I've seen that. And the people are, you know, trying to sort of do all the right things and check off all the boxes and, and you never always fall flat on your face eventually, you know, if you're getting, if you're going by that, but this, this parable though, does speak to this whole thing with that. It's all by God's grace. It's the master's grace and, and, and mercy and, you know, forgiveness. And it's all, he does it all. I mean, God, God does all the action, thankfully. Um, because yeah, if it was based upon how long or, or, you know, uh, the type of work or the quality of the work we would be in trouble because it'd never be good enough. And your conscience would always be seared because you weren't sure if I have done enough. So then exactly. So exactly. you end, oh, go, do you have more? Sorry. No, 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 exactly. But that's, that's it. You just never know if you've ever done enough. 
And that's where if you're left with any question marks at the end of that parable, like, oh, am I first or am I last? And which naturally our hearts go to. This is why I think this parable is perfect for the season of Lent. Because if you think that you don't need to repent, well, guess what? How could you not read this parable and put yourself in those guys who show up at 6 a.m.? And how much you and I do that in everyday life. Well, that person doesn't deserve that because they're not genuine like me. You know, they don't work as hard as me. They haven't done as much or been as committed as me. That pops in our hearts so quickly that we all need to repent. And then Jesus leads us from there and he can't help himself, but continue to point back to our hope. Verses 17 through 19. We have about three minutes left in our time. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Pastor, this is like the... the, Jesus continues to teach, and you can tell that he has a deep compassion for his disciples to know the mm-hmm. truth. And what is that truth that he directs them to? Yeah, he, he points them right back to the cross and, and, and the reason he has come and, you know, to suffer and to die. And, and of course, they don't, they don't understand this. They don't quite under, it get this, this whole idea, you know, that this is the third time, of course, he does this with Matthew, but, um, you know, and he's told this, this over and over, and, it, and I sort of laugh because the next section, they're talking about, like, okay, um, you know, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, I'm going to, you know, place one of them on your right and on your left, you know, in your kingdom, and it's like, did you not listen to this? And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what I just told you? So, yeah, and, and, but no, and it's, it's a fitting, I think, you know, ending to this section, um, because again, he's pointing him right back to, uh, the cross and, you know, and the salvation of the world and what he will accomplish, you know, for them and for their sins and for the sins of the whole world and, and, and the love that he has for them and that he'll be raised, you know, on the third day so that we too, you know, will be raised up when he comes again. And, and so he's, yeah, he's pointing him right back to uh, what's most important here. And it's his work, you know, that he accomplished on the cross for us. And it's not ours. And that it's, it's trusting, you know, in that and not our abilities. And, and that's the good news. I mean, that's the gospel um, that, you know, in Christ, we, we are good enough. Um, not because of our abilities or what we can do or, or say, or, but because of what, what Christ has done for us. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of it. And, and, and I think it's a fitting place to, 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 to end the parable, at least in this section. Pastor Joshua Heimbuck of Grace Lutheran Church in Ashland, Oregon, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 20. Pastor Heimbuck, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you, Brady. It's been, been a pleasure being here with you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. <laughs>